kindness and favoritism tonight. And this is just a, a scripture that I read, but it's really cool because Ethan, what he shared, goes right into the heart of what I want to talk about tonight, of, of being open and accepting and loving. Um, and I think it's awesome that he's experienced that and that is so encouraging. And I think, you know, we want to see that just increase as we see more and more people who come in. And so um, we're going to look at James 2. And James is writing to the church, and this church obviously is growing. There's people coming in. God's, God's moving, um, and they're making an impact on their community. But he gives a challenge and a warning that I think is, is really for us today. And so let's just start off with uh, 2.1. It says, My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-originated faith. So this is in the message. So it's a little bit different. But I just, as soon as I read that, don't let public opinion influence how you practice, basically, your Christianity. Really struck me. Like, how often do we think about, like, the culture influencing how we love people or how we see people? Um, I know going to Belize really opened my eyes up to, like, I think until you experience, like, true poverty and true third world people, they're just numbers, or they're just sad videos that you try not to watch, you know, but when you actually have to interact with them and go into their houses and see how they actually live, um, you realize that they are just as valuable as any American is, you know? I mean, we have been raised, public opinion says, America is great, we are great, we are powerful, like, and there's this underlying kind of flow into us that says we are above everybody else. And I think that is something that we have to, as people who follow Jesus, have to work against tremendously. Like, we have to fight against that mindset and realize that we don't have all the answers. We're not the best in the world. And and actually, every person has value. And once you begin to see every person having value, first of all, it's overwhelming because then you actually, like, care about things that you didn't normally care about. But you, you begin to have your heart open to the love of God flowing from you into them. And, and so how much of our opinions, our desires, or even our goals, really even like the church plant's goals, how much are they shaped by what it looks like to be a successful church versus what it looks like to be a group of people following Jesus with all of our hearts? Like, what if God's goal, and I'm saying this, what if his goal wasn't, hey, grow to a thousand people and act like you're really important and you've been part of something really great? What if our goal, you know, what if there are some other goals that he had that he cared about more than the number of people that we grew to? And I just don't want us to sit under public opinion and what it looks like to be successful in the eyes of other people so that we can be impressive, so that we can say, hey, look what we've done, look what we've accomplished, when actually we're missing the mark of what Jesus actually put before us. And so what it really takes is to say, God, I don't know anything, so you tell me the goals. You know, I don't want to take my cues from what I've been raised in. or what, you know. So you show me what I need to actually think is important. And it comes back to the people that God sends you. Those are the people. And, and so whether it's a thousand people or one person, we need to see them as precious and valuable. And so the unity and the openness of the early church was actually astounding to the, the world around them. Especially in the ancient church, it was, I mean, in the ancient world, you know, lines of value were very, like, there was the valuable people, and then there were people that were worth nothing. And the church came in, and now they didn't know this 
it had to take some teaching, but because of Jesus' love propelling them, they said, no, the poor person is just as important as the ruler. We love all these people, yet some of that influence got into the church, and that's why James is saying, hey, don't fall for this trap. Don't steal away your testimony of loving every person, whether they're the richest and the, you know, seen as the greatest person on earth. I always think, how would I feel if like a really famous person came into church? Like there's a church in Philadelphia that has Carson Wentz and like a, a Zach Ertz, a number of church, uh, like famous eagles, like Philadelphia eagles, not birds, coming to the church. And I was, there was a part of me that's like, oh, I would feel so nervous having those famous people. Why? They're just people. Just because the, the world says they're important doesn't mean God sees them any differently. Okay. And so as this command for Jesus shows, the apostles had to teach the early church, just like we have to be taught what it means to, to hold to the faith of Jesus and not have favoritism. Not say, these are the people that we like and these are the people that we tolerate. You know, and you can all think about somebody that God sent to you in your life where you have really just wanted to avoid them, right? I have one right over here <laughs> where you just know, where, like, oh, there they are again. I know they're going to suck me up into a conversation. I'm going to have to talk to them for 20 minutes, you know, or like frustrated that all they do is talk about their problems or whatever. But God is still saying that person is valuable. Like he sees value in a person that we see we want to avoid. And it's such a challenge for us as we step out into this new thing. All right, so if a man, he gives us a great example. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir, this is the best seat in the house and either ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? It's amazing this example that was written 2,000 years ago still like hits home, right? Because if we actually experience that, like someone who came in, and maybe they're not like dressed in the best suit, but maybe you could just tell. There's those people that you can tell, they are cool people, right? They have it together. Like Tyler, right? Tyler's an intimidating person. He's got, especially when he had the chin strap going, that was very intimidating. You know, he's, he's young, he's cool, he's athletic, he's a coach, you know. But, you know, somebody who's like that, you're impressed. And sometimes I find those people, like, I want to, like, promise them things, or I want to, like, bring them along into, like, places of prominence, and, and I want to give, give them things so they, like, like us and stick around, you know, and then there's people who come in, and, you know, they're those kind of people that you're frustrated with, and, and I mean, think about it if it's actually a homeless person in rags who smelled terrible, right? That would be really hard, and, and so he gives us his example just to reveal our hearts, like, what's in your heart for people? Like, Jesus would pursue the guy who repels everybody else. Really? Would we pursue that person? What's compelling us? And think about it. Like, it's so easy to think what's, we ask the question, what's in it for me? And like, I doubt that's a question Jesus ever asks himself or asked himself when he was walking this earth. Like, what's in it for me? Like when he walked up to the the guy with leprosy, you know, he wasn't thinking, this is going to be a great conversation. You know, this is going to be a fantastic experience for me. I'm going to have so much fun. This is going to be so gratifying, Right? Like, he was pouring himself out. And I think it's, it's really easy to fall into this favoritism and not even realize you're doing it. And we can also just say, you know, well, those are the kind of people I'm not really called to. Like, but I just, I kind of believe that if God brings someone into your life, you're called to them, right? 
like, we can't pick and choose who God sends us. He picks and chooses who he sends us. And we have to choose to love them, to invest in them, and actually say, okay, okay, not just say, we want you just to be loved and feel loved. We actually want to see them go from point A to point B, like to grow, to change, to, to become. And, and the amazing thing is, is as, as we say, you are valuable. And have you ever done this in a relationship? Someone who didn't see it in themselves, but you saw it and you called it out in them, they actually began to believe it and grow into it. Like, that's what we're going to get to do as God sends people to us. And so there's a few points, I think, about favoritism, I think, that we need to look at. To show favoritism, and I'm also saying, like, the easy things in church, like, just to talk to your friends and ignore people who are coming in that you don't know. Like, I... It's scary sometimes for me to talk to people. I'm not a naturally, I'm not like Christian who like sees a new person and loves them and wants to sit down and talk with them for 20 minutes. Last week when we did the, um, the thing with uh, Shannon's festival and we were out there handing out water and pretzels and balloon animals, I talked to one guy that I didn't know and it was exhausting for me. Like seriously, I was like, I got done and I was like, I'm, I'm done. I was like, I talked to one person, I don't know. I asked him every freaking question I could think of, you know? Um... And I'm, I'm finished. I'm toast. You know, like, but I know that's, sometimes we have to do hard things. And sometimes you, when you're done, you're going to feel like toast. But, but if God is pleased with you, it's worth it. And he'll make ways for you to be filled back up. Yeah, oh. <laughs> no, I went to you after I was toast and you built me back up, Gary. It shows that we care more for the outward appearance than we do about the heart. Really. Like when we show favoritism, we care more about how it looks, how it makes us feel, what we can get for it, than actually about the value of the heart of the people. For the Lord doesn't look, does not see as man sees. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at the heart and so should we. The second thing is to show favoritism shows that we misunderstand who is important and who is blessed in the sight of God. When we assume that the rich man or the popular man or the cool man, right, is more important to God or more blessed to God, we put too much value in superficial things. And we have to fight against it because it's there. And you can fall into it so easily. Like, it's like a spell that's cast over you. You're like, oh, you impress me. I want to get closer to you because you make me feel more power, you know, more popular or whatever. We have to fight against it and look for the people that aren't going to make us, like, how does God see them? How does God love them? The last thing is to show favorism shows a selfish streak in us. Usually we favor the rich man over the poor man because we believe we can get more from the rich man, right? Some questions we immediately ask ourselves are, what conversation will be more enjoyable, right? Or what can I gain from this encounter? Or what can this person add to the community? Really, when you're growing a church too, like, we're thinking like, ooh, these people seem really gifted, or these people seem like they could really give a good, you know, invest in this church, and, and we're going to really show them that they're special and they're favorable. And then here's like this, you know, kid that comes in and, and doesn't look like he can give anything, and you're like, okay, you go sit over there. You know, I mean, and I don't think we'd be that black and white, but I think that our hearts could really lean that way. And so we have to, we have to really be honest with ourselves and honest with what we're seeing. And realize that a lot of what we're seeing is being swayed by public opinion, by favoritism. And we have to say, God, I give that to you. 
Sometimes I can't even trust what I see. Sometimes I will lie to myself to make myself feel more comfortable, right, to get myself out of it. There's somebody who's been pursuing me to get together for a long time, and like six months, and I've been really avoiding it because I know it's uncomfortable because it's somebody that I don't want to talk to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to go on a date with you. Listen to your friends. Isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the world's down and out as a kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges, right? He chose the poor, the unpopular, to be the greatest in the kingdom. Like, we have to get it through our minds. Like, that is what we're going after. These people who feel, you know, looked down upon or judged, even groups of people who have felt rejected by the church in the past, we're going to call to you and say, come in and we're going to love you. And we're going to trust that God's going to work in your life. You, but if you play up to these so-called important people, you go against the rule and stand convicted by it. You can't pick and choose in these things, specializing in keeping one or two things in God's law and ignoring the others. The same God who said, don't commit adultery, also said, don't murder. If you don't commit adultery, but go ahead and murder, do you think your non-adultery will cancel out your murder? No, you're a murderer, period. <laughs> I think that's funny. You're a murderer, period. I think it's also interesting that he talks about adultery, murder, and then favoritism. Like, they're all along the same lines, right? Like, the challenge will be when we're actually, like, in the position, like, where we're at church, and we want to just hang out with friends. And there's people that are coming in that actually, and maybe not even the people. You know there's people that come in, they're, like, so easy to talk to, and, like, the friendliest people in the world. And you're like, I just want to talk to you forever, right? And then there's people who come in, and you feel those walls, right? You feel a barrier. You feel like that coldness or rejection and like, well, you reject me. Well, fine. I'm going to reject you. You know, like whatever. Like there's going to be people who are coming in who aren't used to going to church, who are going to feel like they're the outside and that we're the inside. And they're going to feel like walls up everywhere. And us just being friendly, us saying, hey, it's cool that you're here. And, and like acting like it's not a big deal that they've got all these walls up because you feel those walls. It's going to be such a powerful ministry. Really. Like, we're all part of that team. We've all signed up for that team. Like every one of us can be kind. Every one of us can say, you're valuable. I mean, don't say that. That'd be strange. But, you know, with our hearts, exhibit the value that they are. You know, there is this guy. Now, this guy is a Christian, but there is this guy. Guys, for those of us who are on Belize, there is a guy on our team, not from our church. He was one of our leaders named Jos- Josiah, right? And this guy was so standoffish. Like, like he would always take himself away. He barely talked. And he was one of our leaders. And we were like, this is strange, right? Do you guys agree with that? Right? And, the, and he was an American. And then we had two other leaders, and they were both Belizean. And they were amazing. They were so friendly. They were so kind. But I, I decided in my heart, I'm going to get Josiah. I'm going to become friends with him. I'm going I'm to find out what makes him tick. Because this guy was just like walls up everywhere. There was actually a time where he, I had to drive. I had to drive with Josiah to go get some money out because someone had forgotten money. I had to drive with him um, for like half an hour. And I was like terrified of the thought of me and Josiah driving together so long. And it was hot. And I was like, I have no idea. So I was like, hey, Tyler, why don't you come along with us? <laughs> and so I brought Tyler along. You know, and, and I just, as much as I could, I spent time with him, talking to him. And, and I found, I mean, he loved sports. So we talked about sports all the time. Like, you find that common ground. And, and we, we were not, he didn't really get my humor. I think he thought I was weird, you know. 
Most people, right, that's, that's, that, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, and it was actually kind of sad at the very end of the trip, everybody was getting the two, two other leaders, like Instagram and Facebook, and then he turns to them and says, no one wants mine. And I said, I want yours, Josiah. And he started crying. No, 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 that would be amazing. That would have been amazing. I, couldn't, I can't imagine him crying. Could you imagine him crying? Yes, he did. He was on the boat. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, Julia, it's all about you. You, you, yeah. Yeah, because of you. Um, favoritism. Walls up. People that we don't want to relate to, but God's called us to relate to, right? People that are way different than us. People that believe different things. People that do things that we find gross or weird or strange, right? People that go partying on the weekends and then show up to church, right? Whatever. Like, God... God is calling us to be a church that welcomes the people that walk through the door. And like we have to, we have to be sold out towards that. We have to take this exhortation from James and like write it on our foreheads and remind ourselves every Sunday, every small group, every outreach, every time we interact and realize you're all part of the in crowd. There are people that are coming who are going to automatically feel on the outside. And it's up to us to say, hey, there is no in crowd. We love you. Join us, right? So that's the, cha- the challenge. And here we go. Talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. For if you f- refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Wouldn't it be so cool if people walked in to City Light expecting harsh judgment and they found kind mercy? Like, they discovered it. Like, I never knew that this mercy was here for me. Actually, what I expected from all of you was was harsh judgment. But we flipped the script. We said, no. No, Jesus is so far above the walls that you have, the differences that are between us, right? Where you are socioeconomically, where you are background, where you are, you know, all that stuff. Kind mercy wins, when we choose to be kind, even towards a person who is most not like us, we are winning, right? We're talking about defining wins. That is one of our biggest wins, is to, is to love, like, unconditionally, and to love like that. And so, like, th- that's going to be the challenge for us, because naturally, we're going to stick with what makes us feel comfortable, and that's, like, connecting with our friends and people that look like us or even people that seem like they like us. Right? It's really hard to be around someone that doesn't, doesn't seem like they like you. But people sometimes put up a front to actually like, test you, to see what you're made out of. Let's see what these Christians, they talk about love. Let's actually see if they love. Let's see if they'll care about us. You know, There might be someone that, not in this building, but walks in and sits in, way in the back and just closed down and shut down. And it's going to be up to us to say, hey, you can act any way you want, but we're sold out to kindness. We're sold out to mercy. We're going to show you kindness as much as we can. And and I think that's the challenge for us. So that really convicted me as I was reading through that. And hopefully it's a challenge for all of us. Um, So let's pray. Let's stand up.
you know, one thing that I feel like God was, has been knocking on my heart for is just dealing with any insecurity. Like, hey, sometimes I don't want to even reach out to people because I'm insecure with who I am and what I have to offer. And like, I just want to say, I feel like God wants to remind us that what every one of us in this room has to offer is incredible. And we don't need to sit in insecurity. Our identity as like sons and daughters of, of God, like we have so much to offer. We have so much to give. And as people, God sends people to us, like he's expecting us to give away, to love, to love without reserve. And so God, we just pray that you would deal with our insecurity. You would deal with our issues with strangers, issues with um, people in our, you know, people that aren't like us. God, that, that we wouldn't be under public opinion and let those, like, let the public opinion, you know, drive us, God. We don't want to be people who like only care about the rich and the, the popular. Lord, we want to go for all people. Lord, and we know rich people need you just as much as poor people do, but Lord, it's, it's so easy to ignore because we're under this. Uh-oh. God's saying, you got to end this prayer. <laughs> There's a storm coming. <laughs> Everybody's iPhone's going off. <laughs> so God, we just give this to you. We just pray that this word would just kind of just lodge into our hearts and it would, it would grow like our hearts of kindness and mercy and love over the next few months until uh, we launch. And even actually as we're meeting people for the next couple of months and inviting them into this thing, Lord, that we would be love and that, that our kind of mercy would win over the hearts of people who are shut down to you, who have been hurt by you, who have been hurt by the church, that our kind mercy, God, fueled by you, would reach people that otherwise wouldn't be reached. And so, Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes.